It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. We appreciate each of you that have come to share with us in the service. And I hope you had a good afternoon and that you're feeling well. And take your Bible and I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel tonight, uh, chapters 38 and 39. And uh, the Lord put this passage, these passages of Scripture on my heart a few days ago. I really didn't know why. But uh, I think they'll be very fitting. Uh, I want us to think about Russia in the end times. Does the Bible talk about that? Yes, it does. There's two chapters of it here in the book of Ezekiel. Now, I don't plan to preach through this, but we're going to, to read it and stop and make some comments on it as we go. Identify some of these places and some of the things that are happening. But uh, Ezekiel, of course, is one of the old prophets, the Old Testament prophets. And God spoke to him in verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came unto me. That's very, very important that we identify this not as Ezekiel's words, but the Lord's words. The word of the Lord came to me. And this is what he said. Son of man... Set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Gog is a word, and Magog is another word that is used in the book of Revelation. Magog is the nation Russia. It's Rus in the Hebrew word, Rus. The chief prince of Meshach. Gog is the chief prince of Meshach. Meshach is Moscow. And Tubal, which is Tobolsk, he says, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. God is against him. You see, they're an atheistic people. It's an atheistic nation. They're against God, therefore God is against them. I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws. I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now notice the nations that join them here. Persia. Persia is Iran and Iraq. That's the old Persian Empire. Ethiopia. Of course we know that's a nation in Africa. Not too far from, uh, from Israel. Libya. That's another nation that is in Africa. Just past Egypt there on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, we remember Muammar Gaddafi. He he was the ruler there for many years. He's since uh, died. But with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer. Where is Gomer? Well, Gomer's better known as Germany. Germany is the country that really led World War II, that really uh, Hitler and his men went after the Jewish people. Uh, killed over six million Jews in, in that war. And, 
uh, imprisoned many more of them. If you, if you ever get to go uh, over into that part of the world, go to see those concentration camps where they kept so many prisoners there, where they, they uh, cruelly treated them. It's, it's just, when I think about it, and I, I've been to the one there in Poland, that it, it's just, uh, even after many years, it still bothers me, to, the things that I was able to see there that had happened. He talks about Gomer and all his bands, the nations round about them, and the house of Torgomar. This is Turkey. You say, how do you know where these nations are at? Well, several years ago, I got to studying these passages of Scripture. And I found them, these old nation names on some Bible maps. And I got the longitude and latitude. And I got a modern day map and found the same longitude and latitude and found out what the modern day names of those countries are. Verse 7, he says, Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. Now listen, verse 8 here. This is a key verse. And after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. Jim was telling me in discipleship training, he talked about uh, the latter years. We're in them. In the latter years, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people, listen, against the mountains of Israel. These nations are going to come against Israel, against the mountains of Israel, which have always been laid, always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Verse 9 tells us something of how they're going to come. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. It's going to be air attacks. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all the bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall, think, shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. I thought of that passage of Scripture when I heard President Putin on TV the other day. One day he's saying, we're not going to invade Ukraine. The next day he's saying he is. He's had an evil thought. I, I saw one of our former secretaries of state on TV this afternoon, and she was talking about how Putin had changed. She, she has met him personally. She says he don't even look the same. Said I, uh, She thinks he's lost his mind. And maybe he has. But I know he's under a lot of pressure right now. Thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come to thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, here's what, what the plan is. I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely. 
all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods, and that dwell in the midst of the land. Now notice what it said there. Going into a land of unwalled villages. Several years ago, that wouldn't have been said about Israel. They lived in walled cities. But not today. Their population has exploded. There's people coming from all over the world, especially Jewish people, coming from every corner of the earth and moving back to Israel. And there's been a housing boom there like you wouldn't believe. And they don't have time to build walls. They just build in houses and apartments and all those kind of things. So they're really unprotected by the walls. He says they have neither without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Why are these nations coming? To take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. I just mentioned that people from every nation are gathering back in Israel. People from the nations, out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Now he talks about a couple, three other nations here in verse 13. Sheba and Dedan and all the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Sheba is Saudi Arabia. Dedan is Kuwait. Tarshish is Spain. Remember, uh, Jonah got on a boat and went to Tarshish. He went to Spain. That's where he was headed anyway. And all the young lions, the other nations that make an alliance to come against Israel. They've come to take a spoil. Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, and to take away cattle and goods? to take a great spoil. There's what they're going after. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, who is the chief prince of Meshach, and thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? Yes, they'll know it. They're keeping track of all this. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. When will it be? It shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land. Why? Underline this, that the heathen may know me. Wow. God's going to bring all this to pass, that the heathen may know God. 
that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. It's going to be something to see. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? You see, Ezekiel's not the only one that has prophesied these things. There's other prophecies, Zechariah and Zephaniah and some of those others prophesy along these same lines. And it came to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. You don't want to anger God. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. That speaks of earthquakes. So great that, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. Wow. Quite a bunch of earthquakes, isn't it? I believe it's in Zechariah where he prophesies that there will be an earthquake and the Mount of Olives will split and there will be a river that runs out of it. Part of it goes south, goes down to the Dead Sea. The other part goes to the Mediterranean Sea. I had, have been to the Dead Sea a couple of times and I remembered that one of the prophets talked about them fishing on the river that run down to the Dead Sea. Well, right now it's the uh, Jordan River that runs to the Dead Sea, but it's the places that it was given was on down below that where the Dead Sea is. And I wondered, how's that going to happen? There's no water there that the fish could live in. There's not a living thing in, in the Dead Sea. It's all dead. That's what they call Dead Sea. But I got to reading that prophecy that when that mountain splits and that river runs out of there and it talks about people fishing along down that way. God is never wrong. He always tells it like it is. I will call, verse 21, I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him. How's God going to plead against Gog and Magog and all those? I plead against him with pestilence, diseases, with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire, brimstone, 
You see, God's got a different kind of arsenal than man's got. He can use all those things. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. We saw phrases like that in the book of Exodus, haven't we, when we've been studying about God and His uh, bringing Pharaoh to the place he would let his people go. Many times we've noticed that in that book, that he may know that I'm God. Now God wants us to go out and tell people about him. He wants us to go and share about Jesus, God's son, and, and to teach them how they can come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But there are people that just refuse to hear about God. There are people who refuse to believe that God is real. And a lot of these people that you see here, a couple of things that I find in common with these nations. Part of them are communist nations, which as I said this morning, believe in government as, as God. The others are Muslim nations. Muslim nations believe not in the God that we believe in. They believe in Allah. But they're against Israel. They're against Christian people. Therefore, they're against God. And they're going to come together, make a coalition, and do this. Let's read on in verse 30, or chapter 39. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Same words that he said before, I'm, I'm against you. And I will turn thee back, and leave but a sixth part of thee. A sixth part, that's what, about 16 and a half percent, something like that. And it will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. You see, all these nations are north of, of the Holy Land. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. I read something, I, I remember it was probably late 90s. I read an article in a, a Christian magazine. And the question was, why all the buzzards in Israel? And in that article it stated that the ravenous birds, the buzzards, that they normally only hatched out about two eggs per year. But over in that part of the world, they're having four, six, eight eggs that hatch out per year now. 
And the buzzards have increased greatly. Is God getting ready for something? I believe He is. The ravenous birds of every sort, and the beast of the field, you're going to be devoured by them. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Armageddon, or Megiddo, one of our former generals in our military stood at that place called Megiddo. And he looked out across that valley. And he said, this is the most natural battlefield that I've seen anywhere in the world. And the Bible tells us about a great battle that's going to be fought there called the Battle of Armageddon. Well, thou shalt fall upon the open field. It's just pretty well flat and level through there. There's a valley that runs hundreds of miles up through there. Not all of it in Israel, but some of it goes on into Syria and up that way. But he talks about them falling in, in the open field. Lost my place. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee to the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord. Then God says, there's something else I'm going to do. I will send fire on Magog. And among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. God said, I'm going to send fire on Moscow. And also on them that dwell carelessly in the isles. Bible scholars tell us that the, the, the Isles is referring to nations that have a sea coast, such as the United States. We have Pacific Ocean on one side and the Atlantic Ocean on the other. We're enclosed on three sides by ocean, so we're actually a peninsula sticking out. That would describe us. They shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel. God's still his people. He's still, Israel's still God's people. I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. God is going to be known by everyone, really. Behold, it is come, and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth, and shall set on fire, and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaffs and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. 
Now, the first time I really pondered on that verse where it says they will burn the weapons. And I got to thinking, the weapons of war today are different than in biblical days. How do you burn planes and tanks and those kind of things? And I got to doing some research back probably about 30 years ago. Russia invented something new. It's called lingo stone. It's made from coal. They built their planes, their tanks, their military vehicles out of that lingo stone. It cannot be detected by radar because it's not a metal. It's a stone. But the weak point is it, it will burn. Now think about that. <laughs> we send their tanks and all going into Ukraine. Uh, their planning was so bad they're running out of fuel. But uh, I'm glad they're running out. But it talks about the Jewish people here. And they begin to clean up after this. That Israel shall go forth and set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaffs and the spears. They shall burn them with fire seven years. So that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire. And they shall spoil those that spoil them and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord God. You see, God knows these things before they ever happen. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place of graves in Israel. There's going to be a Russian cemetery there. So many of the Russians are going to be killed in Israel. I found it amazing that they were talking about getting Israel, the, the prime minister of Israel, to be the chief negotiator between uh, Ukraine and Russia to try to negotiate a settlement to this war. That would be something that... Uh, I will give unto thee a place of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers of the east of the sea. That's east of the Mediterranean Sea, which is all of Israel is east of the Mediterranean Sea. It shall stop the noses of the passengers that they shall bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. Now my Bible has a note, if I can find it, what Haman Gog means. Valley of the multitude. Going to be a multitude of the Russian people die there. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. Going to take them seven months to bury all these bones. And you'll find that 
they find them and stick up a sign by them. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renown the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. It's going to bring glory to God. They shall sever out men of continual employment, passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it after the end of seven months shall they search. And the passengers that pass through the land, when any seeth a man's bone, then shall he set up a sign by it, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman Gog. And also the name of the city shall be Hamona, means a multitude. Thus shall they cleanse the land. But God's not through yet. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, speak unto every feathered fowl and to every beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come. Gather, your side, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice, that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats, of bullocks, all of them fatlings of Bashan. Bashan is the Golan Heights. That's on the uh, eastern border of the Holy Land. And he's talking about birds here and animals. And you shall eat fat till you be full and drink blood till you be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus you shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men and with all men of war, saith the Lord God. I understand that Russia still maintains a, a cavalry in their military, horseback riders. I will set my glory among the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed and my hand that I have laid it upon them. Now listen very carefully. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11 speaks of a time when he says, and so all Israel shall be saved. They rejected Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They crucified him. But yet he loves them. And yet he wants them to be saved. And Paul looked forward to that day and said, and so all Israel shall be saved. There's a time coming when Israel's going to turn back to God. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity. Why? For their iniquity. God let them be carried into captivity more than once because of their sin. Because they trespassed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the hand of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hid my face from them. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Now will I bring again the captivity of Jacob, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, and will be jealous for my holy name. 
Thank the Lord for his mercy. God has a plan. And I know there's people here in our United States today that says God would never let anything bad happen to America. Well, he let it happen to Israel. Does he love us more than he loved them? No. God punishes sin. And we're a nation that we've practically turned our back upon God. In the last 50, 60 years, we've traveled a long, long ways away from God. And we need to turn back and turn back quick. After they have borne their shame, verse 26, after they have borne their shame and all their trespasses, whereby they have trespassed against me, when they dwelt safely in their land, and none made them afraid, when I have brought them again from, my, from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I'm sanctified in them in the sight of many nations. Listen how God closes this. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. If you go back and read chapter 37, God gave Ezekiel a vision of a valley of dry bones. And he asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh Lord God, you know. And he goes ahead and talks about those dry bones, how that they came back together. And God put flesh on them. They were just a carcass, though. It said there was no life in them. And God breathed into them. And they came alive. You see, they didn't have the Spirit. The Jewish people by and far today have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They're like a bunch of dry bones walking around. They need Jesus. We Gentiles need Jesus too. I'm glad that we've got a gracious Savior like our Lord Jesus Christ. God said, I won't hide my face from them anymore. I've poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. You see, Ezekiel saw them bones come together. But God saw it even further. God saw them filled with the Spirit and being witnesses for Him. I'm going to ask if you have questions. I'm not sure I have answers, but you're allowed to ask a question if you'd like to. Anyone? Well, I hope you've enjoyed the Word of God tonight and my pitiful explanations of some of it. But we have a mighty, mighty God.
We serve a mighty God. Let's stand together. Brother Ron, would you come with a hymn of invitation? Father, I just want to thank you that you've told us in your word so many things that are yet to be. It boggles our minds sometimes when we read these and we wonder how can it be. But sometimes we forget that you're God and you can do the things you've said you'll do. And Lord, I pray that God, that you will send a great revival into our midst. Started even tonight here in this service. Started even in my heart, Lord, and in my life. That you might be glorified and you might be magnified. And many souls come into your kingdom. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray.